The following are my thoughts from my perspective and in no way reflect the views or opinions of my employer. In front of the yellow line. Season 2, episode 13. Bits and pieces. Well, I've come to the end of another season. So far, for the last two seasons, I've enjoyed letting you into my mind. The feedback I've received has been quite positive, and I thank you for listening. It's something I enjoy doing, and I'm glad to put it out there. That being said, my reflection on all the things I've told you about make me realize that I've missed some stuff. So I bring you the bonus features, if you will. The thoughts that are not quite substantial enough to stretch into a full post, or things I forgot to mention the first time around, or possibly some stuff that is repetition of what I said before. So this episode will be a little more disconnected compared to my others. Think of it like when your favorite show does a flashback episode. Pretty bold doing it after two seasons. Okay, buckle up. Here we go. Here's something you may not realize about the life of a bus driver. I work on a 27-hour clock. Wait, what? Let me explain. For my job, we work on a 24-hour clock, military time. And although I've adjusted to that way of thinking, it still feels weird to work until 1800 hours. Also, although military time is one of the easiest concepts in the world to grasp, I still have the occasional brain fart. What time do you leave? asked the passenger. Me looking at my schedule where it says 1400? 4 o'clock! Whoops, I mean 2. It happens, especially on the days I have to wake up earlier. But wait, Sean, you say? I don't use a 24-hour clock, and even I know it doesn't go up to 27. That's right, listener, it doesn't. However, for the sake of payroll, that's how it works around transit, or at least my transit. So if I start at 7 p.m. 1900 on New Year's Eve and have to work until 3 a.m. 300 New Year's Day, I don't actually get paid three hours of holiday pay. Instead, all of my hours are calculated for the same day, so my schedule is actually from 1900 to 2700. Also on the subject of strange anomalies with payroll, did you know that I work three Mondays a week sometimes? This isn't actually one of my employer's rules, just my own personal observation. Here's how that works. Currently, my days off are Thursday, Friday. This means that Saturday is actually my Monday, but my job's pay period runs from Sunday to Saturday, which means Sunday is Monday for my work week. And then, of course, there is the actual Monday, with all my passengers living the blue Monday mood. So there you go. You think you hate Mondays as much as Garfield? Try having three of them in a row. When I was younger, I loved the movie Speed. Still do, really, 
for my generation, it's kind of a classic. Not Citizen Kane classic, but still. And if you're a longtime listener of this show, you'll see in my first season I posted one of my episodes of my other podcast. I used to like this one. If you want to hear my full expanded thoughts on speed. However, to sum up, in case you haven't listened to that episode, now that I drive a bus, I see major flaws with the movie Speed. Sorry to spoil it, but the biggest error is the fact that the driver cannot open the door of the bus while it is in motion. In fact, when my door is open, it activates an emergency interlock brake to prevent the bus from accidentally moving while loading passengers. But this brake only kicks in when the door is open, and only when the bus is going less than, I'd say, 2 kilometers an hour. Not 50 miles an hour! Keanu Reeves would not have been able to get on that bus in the first place. And don't even get me started on 50 miles an hour. Not an easy thing to do in a bus. And the handling capabilities at that speed? <clears throat> Come on, speed is full of it. Sorry. What is that thick cable with the ball on it that hangs down on the right side of a bus near the front wheel? Ever noticed it? It's called a curb feeler. It is used to deter me from rubbing my tires against the curb. When I hear the scraping sound of the curb feeler, I know I'm close enough. Now you know. Another fun tool I have at my disposal is a panic button. If I'm in an emergency, for example a hostage situation, I push it. It doesn't set off any alarms in my bus, but instead displays a message on my destination sign that says emergency call police, without changing anything inside to tip people off. If you see this message on a bus, do what it says. The other thing that's cool about my panic button, it actually turns on all the cameras to a direct feed with my bosses. Cool stuff. People ask me about the extra long buses, the articulated buses. You know those ones that bend in the middle with the accordion looking middle bit? They ask me if they're really tough to drive. The truth is, they're actually easier. The front piece is shorter than the other buses, which makes the turning radius much tighter on them. And with the exception of on tremendously icy roads, the back piece always follows where the front goes. It can really mess with your mind to go around a tight corner and see the back half of your bus blocking the view from your side mirror, or to look in the rear view mirror and not see the back end. It's really strange, but not difficult to drive. I'm surprised at how many people are still confused with how payment works on a bus. I realize not everything is universal, I've been to other cities, but the concept of receiving a transfer is a fairly common one. You pay, you get a transfer. Some people will call it a ticket. You show that transfer, or a ticket, to any bus driver whose bus you want to board until it expires. You do not use this transfer as your payment on the next bus. This little piece of paper is your proof of payment. A lot of people don't want this little piece of paper. That's fine with me. I don't have to give you one. 
but keep in mind, if security comes on the bus and asks to see proof of payment and you don't have this, you can get fined. You've been warned. I also get to punch a little hole in these transfers with my very own hole punch to validate them. Every driver in my city has a different shape to their punch, like a signature. This punch sets me apart from everyone else. There are even some forms at work that after signing them, I also have to punch a hole in them too. That's my identifier. I like splashing puddles. Always have since I was a kid. I mean, come on, who doesn't? And when I started driving, it became that much more fun. Well, now that I drive a bus, that pleasure is ramped up even more. There is something truly, truly satisfying about hitting a nice, big puddle in a bus. I don't slow down for puddles. I speed up. However, if it's a good puddle splashing day, I need to be hyper aware of pedestrians to make sure I'm not splashing people. On the subject of pedestrians though, I don't stop for jaywalkers. This is my own personal thing. I will stop for people safely and legally crossing at a crosswalk. But for jaywalkers, unless I absolutely have to, because I'll hit them otherwise, I refuse to encourage the behavior. So if you see me coming, cross at a corner. There is one area in my city near a hospital where they have actually posted no pedestrian signs with the follow-up, please use crosswalk, with an arrow pointing to the crosswalk. I'm sure you've seen these signs, the do not cross here. Well, of course, everyone crosses right at the sign. Pet peeve. Stay out of my way. I'm not stopping. Be glad you're right outside of a hospital. And parents, please, if you're dropping off your child, even though the traffic isn't moving very fast through your school zone, don't teach them to jaywalk. There are crossing guards there for a reason. If you are in a wheelchair, use the wheelchair stop request button. It gives me a different signal to let me know to put the ramp out. I've mentioned before that I pride myself in being a fairly smooth driver. Sometimes though, the bus itself won't let me be. The retarder brake is extra strong or the brakes are too sensitive. Either way, if the bus is jerking or the bus driver seems hard on the brakes, it isn't always their fault. Sometimes it's the bus. My high beams are on the floor next to my signal lights. I use my left foot to press these buttons. I'm glad my own car is manual transmission. Makes it easier to think about using my left foot while driving. All of our garages have gas pumps and car washes. That's why you never see a bus fueling on the road. They only get gassed up once at the end of the day. Ever have trouble reading a bus map? You aren't the only one. Unfortunately, we as drivers have to use the same maps. It gets especially complicated when it's one of these routes that changes depending on the time of day. We're supposed to be the experts, but honestly, sometimes I'm not sure if I'm following the correct routing. 
most of the time my running board, a list of times that I'm supposed to try to follow, will have an extra time listed in circumstances, but it's still confusing. I have mentioned that I drive a smart bus, but unfortunately the smart bus technology does not always work, so I rely on these maps sometimes, even still, even with all that technology out in the world. Also, we have to know which way is north at all times. If there's a special situations where we have a detour, the instructions they announce over the radio or send to our little computer will tell you to turn west on such and such street. So, as drivers, we need to know if that's a left or a right turn, where that is, and adjust our routing temporarily until the problem clears up. This is in situations like traffic accidents. But sometimes they know ahead of time about a road closure or a special event like a parade, but they don't give us a special modified map for the day. They give us a piece of paper that says, Turn west on such and such street. Always makes for a challenge the first time you do it. I once had a missing person on my bus. It was a good feeling to know that I helped find him. Every once in a while, the police will ask for our assistance in finding a missing person or a suspect in a crime. On this particular evening, a developmentally challenged young man who had wandered off from his home. And because of me, that day, the police were able to find him. It's nice to know the system works. I felt good to be a part of it. Well, listener, that's all I have for now. Thank you for listening to Season 2 of In Front of the Yellow Line. I will see you in June with Season 3. And I hope you enjoyed my bits and pieces. From In Front of the Yellow Line. That's how I see it. Please follow the show on whatever app you listen to your podcasts on so you don't miss an episode. You can follow the show on Facebook or Instagram at In Front of the Yellow Line or on Twitter at YellowLinePod. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend or go rate and review it. If you want to hear more from me and are a fan of movies, check out my movie rewatch and review podcast that I co-host with Colin Stewart called I Used to Like This One. Thank you for listening, and see you next time from In Front of the Yellow Line.